0: Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now, please enjoy our sermon at Church on the Hill. All right, so this morning, I'm excited about Trunk or Treat, but I'm also excited about something else. We are starting a new eight-week series this Sunday, and we're calling it Core Sample. And so my question is, we're talking about Core Sample in kind of a geology type of way of talking about Core Sample. My question is, you can show hands, you can give me a head nod, whatever. How many of you know what a Core Sample is? Okay, we got like... I don't know, a half-ish, maybe? That might be a generous half. Uh, But it's enough that I need to explain it. So let me give you a quick rundown from someone who's not a geologist of what a core sample is. When you go to a building site or when a company goes to a building site or goes to a location where they're going to choose to build, um, they have a special tool, and think of like a cylinder drill, and they drill down into the earth below the surface, pull out some of the contents of what's down there, they take it to a lab, and then they study it, and that tells you what is below the surface. It tells you what the foundation is, it tells you what the core is, it tells you what it's made of, it tells you its density, it tells you all these different things, and what that reveals to you is, what can we build on top of this? What, do we, what else do we need to do to this soil to make it stable? What are we working with is really what it is. So, um, we actually have a picture, if you guys can go to the first slide... On the right is one of the more famous core samples, which I know, who knew? Famous core samples. Uh, But it's a famous core sample, and that is a core sample from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And on the left-hand side, it goes all the way back, and it shows you all the different layers that are there. And so it goes all the way back to the 1900s when the Indianapolis Motor Speedway was a dirt track, and then it shows when it became bricks, and they laid all the bricks on top of it and all of that, but you get an idea of what a core sample is. And for us, we're actually lucky enough, so shout out to Jesse, who works with core samples. He brought in, you guys are like, what is the matter with your coffee mug? It's not coffee. Um, This is a core sample, but he warned me that if I take it out on stage, I might just have a clump of dirt in my hand. So we're going to leave it like this, but this is a core sample. And what you would do is you would take it to the lab, and they would tell you, what what it's made of, what the foundation is, what that part of the earth consists of. Therefore, you get to build on top of it whatever else. Now, most of you are probably smart enough that you know we have reached the end of the extent of my geology knowledge, and this is not a talk about core samples and geology because I've got nothing more to give. And the reason why I'm bringing it up, the reason why we're calling it core sample it's because what we're going to be doing for the next eight weeks is we're going to be studying the book of Colossians. So we're going to spend eight weeks walking through the book of Colossians. We could have just called this series Colossians. We just you know, had to be more creative. Um, and what Paul is doing in the book of Colossians, it's written by Paul, and Paul is in jail writing to this community in Colossae. And Colossae is kind of a small town. It's not quite middle of nowhere. But it's, if you know your geography of that time, it's out by Laodicea. And so it's kind of off by itself, but the main thing about it, or the issue that Paul's trying to address is Paul did not start this church. Paul did not start the church at Colossae. He's never even been to Colossae. What happened is someone came and listened to Paul. They heard him talk. They spent time with him. They were around him, and they understood enough about what it was to be a follower. So then they took that back to their hometown of Colossae, and they started a church. And so this is a young church, but it's starting to come under persecution. They're starting to have different struggles, and Paul gets word of that. And so Paul decides, okay, I need to write him a letter. I need to write to this church in Colossae, and what does Paul think he needs to do? He's got to establish the core principles. He has to establish the foundations of what this church is going to be built on. He has to establish what these people must know in order to be able to build things on top of that. And so Paul writes this letter to him. And at the start of the letter, it starts how a letter usually would, and it's greetings from Paul. And then Paul says, I'm really thankful for you. I'm really thankful for your faith. I'm really thankful for these things. And then he goes into, and I pray for you constantly. And then we get to hear what Paul is praying for them. So that's where we're gonna pick it up. In Colossians chapter one, verse nine, It says this, 9 to 14. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives you. So Paul starts this out, and he's explaining to them essentially what he's doing and what he's hoping for. He says, I've not stopped praying for you continually, and what I'm asking for is I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that's what Paul wants for them, right? That's his desire for this church. That's his desire for these followers. And then it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So the desire he has is so that they do this, that they live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness And brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul's writing to this church, and he goes, Okay, we have to make sure we are set. We have to make sure the core is set. We have to make sure the foundation is set. So this is what is most important. This is what I want for you. And some of you guys probably started to notice it, but what is the point of what Paul is saying in this passage? I'm going to highlight a few things for you guys. It says that God may fill you with his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, bearing fruit. And you're like, wait, why'd you just say bearing fruit? If you guys think of this, most of the time in Scripture when it says bearing fruit, it's referring to the fruits of the There you go. Look at you guys. You've all done this church thing before. It's referring to the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit in you producing these different things. And then it says, according to his glorious might, the Father who has qualified you, for he has rescued us. And what's the point that Paul's getting at here? Over and over again, he's pushing towards this one point. And we're going to find this all through the book of Colossians. And what Paul is getting at here is, You have to do this life through Christ. It has to be about Christ. In Colossians, Colossians is the most Christ-centric book in the entire Bible. What that means is it focuses on Christ more than any other book. Colossians is only four chapters long. It's pretty short. And there's 15 different times where Paul says, in him, by him, or through him. So the whole point that Paul's getting to over and over and over again is if you're going to do this Christian life, it has to be in him, through him, and by him. On your own, if you try to do this by yourself, you're not going to get there. If you try to bear fruit by yourself, you're not going to get there. And so the whole point of what he's getting to, you look at it and you go, okay, so where does this come from? Where did Paul get this concept? And I think it's pretty obvious, in John chapter 5, verse 19, it says this, and this is Jesus talking, it says, Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. So Paul is essentially citing Jesus who says, Jesus himself, and guys, think about this. How incredible is this? Jesus Christ says, I don't do anything on my own. I'm not doing anything on my own power. I'm not doing it according to my will. I'm not doing it according to my ideas. What I do is what I've seen the Father do. Everything I do is directed from the Father, and I'm simply doing what the Father has called me to do. And so Paul takes a look at this, and he understands Jesus, and Jesus makes it very clear to his followers. He says, if you're going to do life, you've got to follow me. You've got to be like me. So what Jesus and what Paul is saying is they're coming together to say, you cannot do this on your own will, and you cannot do this on your own strength. Young church in Colossae, do not get caught up on what you're going to do by your bootstraps and by your strength and by your power because it's not going to work. It has to be in Christ. It has to be through Christ. But then I think for a lot of us, we run into this problem. And our problem is this. I don't know if it's because of verse 10 or if it's just because of the way we do things, but verse 10 reads, So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Some translations say so that you may walk in a manner worthy to please the Lord. And I think for so many of us, the problem with that is we look at that and we go, okay, I have to walk in a manner worthy. I have to live a life worthy of the Lord. And we immediately get to this place where we go, okay, so it's based on the outcomes. It's based on the results. I have to produce certain things. I have to be a certain way. And in however I walk or whatever I say or the things I do or the th- all these different things, we break it down and we go, okay, I have to walk in a manner worthy. I have to produce. My life with Christ is about outcomes. What is the outcome that I'm producing? And that's going to judge, am I walking in a manner worthy? And I want to pause you there for a second. I have to ask this question. Do we really think that God needs results? Does God really need me for an outcome? When God decided he wanted Mount Everest in the Pacific Ocean, he just spoke it into being. When he decided he he wanted his son raised from the dead, he just raised him. When he sent his son as the embodiment of him and he gave him his power and Christ wanted to heal someone, he just spoke the words or he touched them and he healed them. When he was on a boat and the disciples were so scared of what was going to happen because the storm was so bad and it was thrashing around so much that they were scared for their life and Jesus stood up and he just said, be calm. And the storm went away and we look at the results that have been produced, we look at the power of Christ, and then we have to ask ourselves, does he really need us for a result? Does God need me to produce a certain outcome? No. No, it's not about the outcome. God doesn't need you to produce a certain outcome. The reason why these things are coming up in life is because God is teaching us to rely on him. He's walking us into a relationship with him so we can figure out what it is to be dependent on him, to be connected with him, to have a relationship with him, and to not do it on our own strength. But to do life through him. But we are not at a place where God's going, man, I really need you to produce something for me. I really need this outcome from you because I spoke the world into existence, but this one's got me hung up. So I need you. And are we supposed to produce results? Are we supposed to? Yes, I'm not saying that we're not. But it's through the power of the Spirit in us, not through you trying harder and putting more effort in and doing it your own way and on your own strength. And the second thing I think we run into is this. In this verse, when it says, walk in a manner worthy, we break it down and we think it's about all these little things and every little thing is something where God's going, that wasn't worthy, that wasn't worthy. And that's not the truth. In that situation, if you translate the word walk, it's halak. And halak is not a word for every single step you take type of walking. It is an entire way of doing life. God's saying, when you do life, what Paul is saying here is when you do life, do your whole life in a way that's going to be worthy, in a way that's pleasing to God. And what is that? It's how Christ did it. And how did Christ do it? I do nothing on my own accord and on my own power and on my own strength. It's all through Christ. But it's so easy for us to get caught up in going, okay, what do I have to produce? How do I walk in a manner worthy? But Paul, I think, knows this, and I think we know this too. It doesn't work that way. And if you look at Paul, Paul has all of his ancestors, the entire Jewish lineage, entire Old Testament to look back on, And what's one of the main things we learn from the Old Testament? When you try really, really, really hard, you still fall short. Over and over again in the Old Testament, that's the cycle we see. They set up all these rules. They did everything they could possibly do to make it a try harder and then be good enough system. And it was never good enough. They had set what clothes you could wear, what days you could wear them, what days you could work, what days you couldn't work, what things you could eat, what things you couldn't eat, what festivals you had to celebrate, what food you had to eat at the festival, what festivals you couldn't celebrate, what things you had to avoid. They had rules for everything. And the one thing we find is that on their own merit and on their own strength, they continuously fell short. And the reason why I think Paul is making such a big deal of this to this young church in Colossae, and I think it's for us too, is this. For you and I, we know this. When we try really hard and we fall short, what happens? We get discouraged. I know I do. And we've done this. When we set it up and we go to a conference or something happens and you're like, okay, they talked about prayer, and so I'm going to pray for 45 minutes every single day for the next four weeks. And then a week and a half in, you're like, I missed it again. Or we go someplace and someone has a spiritual discipline where they read for an hour every single day and we tell ourselves, okay, I have to read for an hour every single day. And then we miss it again. Or we tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to be patient in every single situation this day. And then you hit traffic. and you miss it again. And we start to figure out what was happening in the Old Testament, where we find this cycle where we just keep falling short. And what happens? You get discouraged. And for some of us, we get to this point where we just go, you know what? I'm just a disappointment. I just keep disappointing God. I just keep falling short of what he's called me to. I just keep not living up to it. And what does that do? It takes a nice big wedge, puts it between us and God, and just starts to separate. And it pushes us farther and farther away to the point where we either just go, I'm done, I give up, or I'm just going to fake it, but I'm sick of failing. I'm just going to stop really trying because I know that it's not going to work. And Paul's looking at this, and he's calling to this young church, and I think he's calling to us too, and he's saying, you cannot be a Christ follower on your own strength and on your own power. And some of you guys are still going, Josh, what are you talking about? Like, what is the difference of this by the Spirit in him and then on your own? What does this even mean? And I think the best illustration I can come up with for you is this. It's the difference of a power boat and a sailboat. I think we have a picture of them up there. But if you look at one, if you look at the power boat on the left, it, it's similar, right? They're both boats. They both have holes. They both float. They both can take people. They both can get you from point A to point B. They're similar. They might even kind of get the same job done to an extent. But the way in which they get it done is completely different. If you look at the powerboat behind it, there is so much tumultuous water coming out of there because that boat is having to work so hard to spin that propeller so fast to get that thing to push through the water because they're both dealing with the drag and the resistance of going through that water. And for a powerboat... It's the captain that's in the chair that chooses the destination and says, okay, this is where we're going, and they set when they think they're supposed to be there by, and if they don't feel like they've gotten there in time, then it's time to throttle down. And as you throttle down, you burn more fuel, and the motor works harder and harder and harder. And you may get there, but getting there takes a toll. And then on the other side, you have a sailboat. And in a sailboat, I'm not an expert, but I think for the most part, really what you're doing is you pull up the sail, you set the rigging, but then you have a very clear understanding if there's no wind, I'm not going anywhere. And if the wind's going to pick up and the wind is going to be ripping fast, then we're moving ripping fast. But when the wind slows down, I'm slowing down. When the wind changes direction, I'm changing direction. When there's adjustments, there's adjustments, and I have to adjust to where the wind is and still trying to get to the destination, but I'm no longer the one that sets the destination all the time, and I'm not in charge of the schedule, and I'm not in charge of when we're going to get there and exactly how we're going to get there. And to me, that's the difference of what it looks like to be led by yourself going, okay, I have to set the destination, and I'm working on... I don't know, patience this time. And I'm too old and I should be more patient, so I'm going to work harder and I'm going to strive more. And by the time you get there, you're almost on empty and the engine is worn out. Instead of realizing my job is not necessarily to get there, my job is to raise the sales. What does it mean to raise the sales? Yeah, it's probably some of the same stuff of reading your Bible. Of praying, of connecting, but I think some of the difference looks like this. I think in the PowerBoat setting, you go, okay, Lord, here's your set time. Lord, from 6 to 6:30 in the morning, I am gonna be with you and I'm gonna talk to you. And then for the rest of the day, I'm just doing my day. And what kind of weird relationship would that be? Imagine if you set that up with a friend. Hey, we're friends now, so your texting time is between 6 and 6.30 a.m., okay? We're going to text during that time, but then for the rest of the day, that's not really your time anymore. But we're friends, okay? That's not how it works. And in this relationship, I think what God is calling us to is, yes, have your time from 6 to 6.30, but don't forget, I'm here the entire rest of the day and I have things for you. But when you're powering through and when you're on your own strength, you're not going to see him and you're not going to hear him because you're not raising your sails to go, God, what is it that you want for me in this situation, in this conversation, in this moment? Is there someone I'm supposed to talk to? Is there a verse I'm supposed to memorize? Is there a conversation I need to have or a card I need to write or whatever it is? How do you get to this point where you go, God, you lead this? I know for some of you, it's probably still not fully clear. So I'll give you an illustration from my life. A few weeks ago, um, on a Tuesday morning, so Tuesday mornings for me, I drop off my daughter at school and her school starts absurdly early. So I drop her off at 740 in the morning and then I drive to work and I get here for meetings. And it usually takes me 45 minutes to an hour because I sit in traffic. And in that hour, in that 45 minutes, I'm pretty set of like, okay, I have my, you know, audio book that I'm going to listen to and a few other things that I'm going to do, maybe a few calls that I'm going to make that are work-related, whatever else, I'm going to get these things done while I'm just sitting there in the car. And it's usually good stuff. Like, you know, sometimes it's listening to a book where I'm like, oh, maybe I could help some of you guys a little bit more, become more spiritual, whatever it is, but I'm setting the destination of it. So this Tuesday a few weeks ago, I got in the car and I started driving. I just said, you know what, Lord? What do you want me to do? If I'm supposed to listen to an audiobook right now, give me the audio book. I'll pull that up. But what am I supposed to do? And I just got this inclination, call Kevin. I'm like, it's 7.40 in the morning. Why call Kevin? All right, I'll call Kevin. And he's a friend of mine. He lives out in the Folsom area. So I call him. I'm like, hey, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm down in Arizona. I'm like, why are you in Arizona? He's like, well, um, I lost a friend of mine to cancer, a good buddy, and he's got three kids and his oldest is now going off to college and so I'm here with the family trying to help them do drop-off at college. I was like, dude, that's a tough situation. Is there anything that I can be doing for you? And he goes, you know what? You actually might be a good person to talk to. He's like, the guy that I'm dropping off here doesn't really know many people, and I know you just worked with high school students for a long time. That was my part of my job previously here. And he goes, do you know any high school students that are at Grand Canyon, or any college students at Grand Canyon University? (laughs) And if you guys don't know, for the past few years, every kid that's gone to a Christian school from our church pretty much has gone to Grand Canyon University. So I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know a few. And little shout out here to Drew Carter, within 20 minutes, Drew Carter, one of our previous students, was in the room with the guy hanging out with him. Now, was that for Drew? Was that for the guy? Was that for Kevin? Was that for me? Was was that for this morning? I don't know. But what I know is this, if I hadn't had the time to just lift the sail and go, God, what do you want me to do? There's no chance I'm calling Kevin at 740 in the morning. But I had to take the time to lift the sail and just go, God, here's what I'm thinking. You adjust it if you need to. You tell me where to go. And I think what Paul is getting at in this situation is the core of what we do has to be that. Because the truth of our life is this. We will never get to the life that God has for us on our own strength and on our own power. We can't. And when Christ calls us to be Christ-like and live a life like him, live a life worthy of him, what he's saying is, give your life to me and have that relationship with me. Lift up your sails and let me guide you. Am I saying you shouldn't have a time where you read and you shouldn't have a time where you pray and you shouldn't have a time where you remember? No. What I'm saying is make sure that God's in the midst of that that you've gone to Him first, that you make sure you have a time where you listen and go, God, what do you want from me? And that has to be my core and that has to be my foundation. I have to do this through your strength and not my own because on my own I fail and I struggle and I just create distance. But if I do this through you, you power me. You guide me you direct. So what we're going to do right now as we close is this. I'm going to ask the band to come out. They're going to come out right now, and they're just going to play for a little bit um, kind of as you guys get some time. And we're going to give you guys time to just be with God right now. And if that means it's time for you to raise your sails and go, God, show me some areas where I need some change. Show me a verse maybe that I need to memorize for this upcoming few weeks. Show me a passage that I need to read every single morning because something's coming. Maybe it's bring a conversation, bring a person, bring something to mind. But what we're going to do is just give you time to be with God. To let him guide this time and to guide you as you head into this week. And then the other thing we're going to do is we have communion out. And if you know what communion is and you've been with us and you have a relationship with Christ, then we would ask you to go take communion after this. If you don't and you don't understand that, please let it pass. It's not for you. But if it is for all of us to spend a time thanking God, going, God, you're involved in my life because of the sacrifice you made and you opened that door for me. So show me, or let me thank you for that. And show me it is what you want to show. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you're involved in all of our lives. That you are guiding us. Lord, that you're available for each one of us when we spend the time and we raise the sails. Lord, you're there. And I thank you for that. I ask that we would rely on that. And that we would look like what Paul is talking about, where we do life in you and through you not on our own. We love you, Lord. Amen.